0: Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 51. Hey guys, welcome to the show. If you can't tell, based off of last week's episode, the new whistle is here to stay. It won by a landslide. There was a lot of debate. There was a lot of conversation over this. Um, Not really. Five five people. Five people voted. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, and only five of you voted, and most of you were family. And the only person who voted against it that wanted the old whistle back was my wife. Uh, I think she's going to start doing t-shirts that say, hashtag, bring the old whistle back. Um and she doesn't even listen to my podcast so I don't I don't know what's up with that but <laughs> anyway I uh, hope that you guys are having a great week and uh, been able to get some hunting in maybe here and there uh, ATA shows going on right now and I'm not there I'm not that popular but there are plenty of people that are that are posting on Instagram and that's all I'm seeing right now is the new products and the new exciting things and if you stay tuned to the end of the podcast I want to talk a little bit about the ATA and some of the products that I'm excited about and I want to talk a little bit about this whole idea of buying Things and and um, you know uh, we'll we'll talk about that at the end. But I do want to tell you I did have a great hunt this past Saturday. It was muzzleloader season in Ohio, went up to hunt with my brother and um, I can tell you this story, if you would rather just skip ahead and get to the interview, you can do that, but I encourage you to go over to YouTube and check out our most recent video on Shedding Light Outdoors uh, you can go on SheddingLightOutdoors.com to find the link or you can go to Facebook YouTube and search for that um, but it was muzzleloader season, went up with my brother and was able to get this all on film uh, what was cool is it was my brother's hunt I sighted in my muzzleloader and decided just to let him use it um, because I've already got my buck, I've already I got a doe, I don't really need any more meat, I'm just going to donate it to a family if I get one, so I figured I'd let him go after a buck, especially since there's been a big buck on his property, and my dad uh, kind of started passing bucks uh, whenever I was growing up a little bit, he wanted to have a, 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 you know, he wasn't like a big rack hunter or anything like that, but he, he wanted just to have some nice bucks for us to hunt and um, talked about this last week, he wouldn't allow the guys that we did deer drives with to drive our property because it wasn't honestly that, that big, it was extremely hard to drive, and he was really trying to manage it um, the best that he could. No food plots, you know, just corn feeder, and that was basically it. But my brothers put in a turnip patch, uh, put in uh, the well roads have came out through, and they've put in some clover, so we're seeing some better bucks, uh, bucks that I wish my dad could see because they, they are very nice. So, anyway, there's a right away right over my brother's property, and we dropped down on it at six fifteen got in nice and early, and we just sat down uh had a little chair uh, so I could film him and had the camera ready and We just laughed and talked and talked about uh, life and challenges that we faced recently with my mom having Alzheimer's and her being an assisted living and so that's why my brother is now living in the house where my parents uh, raised us in and um Regardless of all that, it was just an awesome morning, just sitting there chilling. And right after five minutes of legal shooting light, a buck walks in, and then the debate came: Is it the buck that we we were hoping for? Is it the buck named Goofy? Is is it him? And because it was still just kind of dark, still a little foggy, we couldn't tell. And this buck was only 50 yards away or so, and we kicked it around. And I I was trying to get the video on him, and it would go in and out of focus because it was still a little dark. Um, but My brother, uh, this would be his biggest buck, and he settles his scope in, and I could hear the hammer click. I was like, all right, get ready, and this buck's kind of got his head looking a different direction, and my brother has some roosters and chickens and stuff up, and this rooster is just crowing his head off, and uh, this buck lifts his head, gives me a good view in the camera, and my brother lets the smoke fly and it flew. I mean, it's hard to see after a muzzleloader shot, but you can see this deer kick and he runs back into the woods and we're excited. I mean, I was I was just as excited as what my brother was, heart pound, pounding. And So he went up and told his wife and uh, three kids about it. Came back down. We gave the deer about 20 minutes and we started to track. It had been raining, so it was uh, really hard to kind of we didn't find a drop of blood, to be honest, uh, right there on the right of way. So I was like, let's just walk into the woods 20 yards, see if we can see anything, try and pick up the blood there. I don't want to bump this deer, but we walked 20 yards in, and my brother, he caught sight of a white belly, and this deer had only gone 50 yards, and so I filmed him walking up <laughs> to discover that it is not the giant that we had hoped for, uh, but most certainly a good buck, and my brother's biggest buck. Um, we didn't have him scored or anything, he was, he's just going to assume that this buck is bigger than mine, bigger than 116 inches, uh, but I I think he was 115, if uh, if we're being honest, so... <laughs> My brother and I have a lot of friendly rivalry stuff and we enjoy uh, joking on each other and got to film him fighting a chicken at the end of this. Uh, Also filmed him uh, just enjoying time with his son coming out, checking out the the bucks. So really cool. I encourage you to go over to our YouTube channel, check that out, hit subscribe because over the next three weeks, we plan to release uh, three more videos of stuff from this season and some really good videos. Uh, Trav is releasing um, uh, two does that he was able to get with his recurve and some of the best, I mean, Doe footage sometimes isn't the most exciting. This is some of the most epic doe footage I've seen. He just does a really good job. And his excitement after shooting, like he hyperventilates. I always harass him (laughs) because he just get. but this guy is just so excited just to hunt any type of deer. And you've got to love that enthusiasm. That said, um, we're going to talk about the ATA at the end of this show, but we're going to jump into it with our guest today named Bobby Waldschmidt. Bobby is from Kansas, and uh, he loves upland hunting, loves uh, all kinds of bird hunting, duck hunting, and he loves to shoot traditional archery as well. And so we talk all about that in this episode. I think you're really going to love it, and I, I talk about this. This guy has one of the coolest voices. i like. I, I got to have him back on the show just because how deep this voice is, and I, I think you're going to like it. But anyway, all that said, we're going to jump in Here is Bobby. Hey Bobby, how is it going?
1: Good, how are you this morning?
0: All doing pretty well. Uh, How's life out in Kansas?
1: It's good. It's actually kind of weird right now because it's going to be 60 degrees today, so
0: it's kind of odd
1: for uh, January, but that's all right. I mean, we'll we'll take what we can get. It's not ideal for hunting, but it's, (laughs) it's beautiful for walking around in, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's been a weird winter. Um, I think we're getting that. Like, it's in Kansas right now, and it'll it'll come into Ohio here in like a couple of days. We're supposed to have kind of a warmer weekend, from what I understand, but it'll be in the 20s tonight. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I think we we have a chance. We actually have a chance for a uh, dusting of snow um, tomorrow night. So it's going to go from 60 today to pretty chilly tomorrow, and I think it's supposed to be back up to 40 and 50 over the uh, Sunday. So, <laughs> mm. so it'll be. I guess it'll. Knock the dust out of the air a little bit, you, but
0: you never know what you're going to get. So, yep. well, Bobby, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, you know, Kansas, but, um, you know, what you do and uh, family and all that good stuff.
1: Okay. Uh, well, my name is Bobby Waldschmidt, and uh, I'm uh, a uh, married to a wonderful wife named Brandy and a uh, father of three awesome kids, um, Logan, who's a sophomore in college, and then I have a boy that's a senior in high school and a daughter that's a sophomore in high school and um, Logan, um, Garrett and Peyton. And so um, they're definitely my passion in life. I mean, I, they're my why, why why I do most of the stuff I do. But um, yeah. I really enjoy being around them and, and you know, family is kind of everything to to me and my wife and my kids. So it's, it's always good to spend time with them. And, and uh, but uh, I'm a I'm an ag teacher and I teach ag and welding here in uh, South Central Kansas, and um, really yeah. enjoy that. It gives me the opportunity to be around kids, and also gives me kind of the same schedule as my own children when they're out of school. So it's a lot of fun. We have we have a good time. So,
0: yeah, cool. And uh, talk to me a little bit about you're part of a um, Christian bow hunter group. I think that's how I found you. What's that called? Uh, called Fellowship it's called
1: of... Fellowship of Christian Archery Lovers. Um, it's uh, we have a, we just have an acronym for it called FOCAL. And, okay. uh, and uh and it was actually started by uh a, a guy named Bill Ward and a uh, really awesome guy um probably a lot of people if they're in, in any of the um archery sites I mean, he, he was really big in the Bear Archery group as well but um he he just he he was not afraid to share his testimony about Christ in his life and and uh, and he tied it in with archery and you know archery's kind of a great way to um, be out in the woods and find a lot of peace and quiet and, and really get closer to God's creation and, and the outdoors and, and so he uh, he tied that in with a lot of scripture and things like that and kind of uh, did some different things and, 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 and uh, started making videos and And, you know, different kinds of challenges with a recurve or a longbow and even sometimes with a compound bow. And and then he would attach some scripture at the end and then, you know, kind of talk about God and his life and and try to help others see that, you know, he could benefit their lives as well. And so and then it kind of just, you know, he started the focal group and it just went like wildfire after that. And and it's actually a lot of fun because we have, you know, weekly challenges during deer season. Um, a lot of, or like this time of year, we're kind of getting, you know, we're tapering down now. So guys are starting to get back on there and do some shooting challenges again. But, um, we have a a really awesome group of administrators. Bill's actually kind of taking a sabbatical from social media (laughs) right now. And which is taking a break. Well, it's pretty admirable because I think we all get caught up and I know I'm guilty of it, you know, and, and, you know, spend too much time on Facebook sometimes. And, and so it's kind of admirable and, you know, and I, think sometimes maybe we could all learn something from that but he's taking that chance to step away to kind of focus on family and and and, and god and 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 you know his life and so it's kind of cool and i still talk to him um on the phone and via text message but um but the other administrators have kind of stepped up um and and kind of taken over with it and keep it running so but yeah, it's a great group. I mean, it really helps you get into the word. And, and you know, I think the thing I always liked about it was, is that uh, for me, the weekly challenge is when I go shoot a bow, cause I, I, I haven't deer hunted in, in years. And, and so, but I do love to shoot a bow and I have a passion with traditional archery cause I, it's you get to shoot the, you get to see the arrow fly a lot better. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and it, it is, you know, it's just, just a stick and string. You can, it's, it's, you know, I used to shoot a compound, but every time they come out with something new on a compound, you feel like, Oh, I need to go buy that. Cause it will make me better. And, <laughs> and I, you know, and I switched over to trad because I had some friends I was in a bow club with and they kind of, one of them made his own self bows. And they kind of got me hooked on it because it's just a stick and a string. Um, yeah. And and so you really have to put in the time to shoot it to to get good at it. And um, and while you're doing that, for me, that's the part where I you know I find some peace. That's where if I have a bad day, I'll go shoot my bow. And it allows me to unwind. And I think that's the great part of being about that focal group is is that not only do you you know, while you're shooting your bow, it, it kinda changes your focus while you're shooting the bow to I mean it just it, re- it reminds you of some scripture you've seen when you're shooting on that, on that page or that group. And so, um, it's just a really, really cool way to kind of put everything together and, mm-hmm. and, uh, just, you know, when you're out, it's, it's, I don't know, I guess it's a form of meditation for me as I go out there and I, I shut everything else off and I just shoot and, and then, you know, it kind of gets my heart in the right place and, and centers up my focus on what it should be in life. So, yeah, that's
0: um, really but, cool. I, mean, I, I, i see, I like what you had to say there about, you know, going from compounds and always one of the newest and greatest. I was actually just having a conversation with a guy about new saddles. Like right now is the ATA show and there's all this new stuff and people get so wrapped up in the new thing that's going to help them. And, and granted, there are some cool things that are coming out, but sometimes, you know, I mean, I just think about Fred bear, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. you go, go back to the basics and, just kind of get back to like the purest thing. You know, you don't have to have every gadget and every $400 item that's coming out, you know, sometimes just learning to use what you've got or even going back to something simpler is, is a cool thing to do.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I've I've gotten the opportunity to be a pro staff on a couple of different, um, duck call goose call companies right now. I'm on the one for CNS game calls and, um, uh, is with Mike Stelsner. He's also a part of that focal group and, you know, he makes some really awesome calls, but he, he, uh, he himself, he's passionate about turkey hunting and, and deer hunting with a bow. And, I mean, he, he's just a cool guy and him and I have kind of, we developed a relationship, um, through the hunting industry basically. And, um, you know, we talk on a regular basis. He's become a close friend of mine and, and, and it's, but it's through this kind of stuff, but at the same time, the hunting industry has turned into this huge marketing thing, you know, yeah. and, and it, and it's just the way it works. That's how it is. And, but it, you know, so there's good and bad to it. I mean, it's, it's a way for people to make some money doing something they love, but at the same time it, um, it, it, it you can, you can really oversaturate yourself with a lot of it too. Uh, yeah. might be the best way to say it. And, and, um, so I, you know, that's, we talk. you know, I've referenced, I like Fred bear a lot just because, you know, the guy did a lot of stuff with a lot of nothing. You know, <laughs> and 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 he and he, but he he did it. And, and it it, you know, when you listen to a lot of the things he said, and and you know, I watched YouTube video of uh, of him speaking this stuff and stuff, and it's just. I think you can establish, you can get a calm about, I mean, I think we all, you know, sometimes we buy all this stuff and we get all this anticipation and we get out there on a duck hunt or, you know, I like the pheasant quail hunt as well. And so you get out there and you're getting ready to turn the dogs loose and, and, you know, they're strapped up with a GPS collar and electric collar and you're ready to go and, and you walk and walk and walk and you may never find a bird. And, and so you know, I, and some of that comes with age too, I think, but, yeah. um, the older you get, the more you start appreciating the simple things a little more maybe, yeah. but, um, so when you're, you know, you get out there and you don't find anything, then you, you know, you have a little bit of disappointment. I think, um, I think what, you know, that's why I like about shooting a trad bow or, you know, it's kind of brought a little bit more peace of mind with, to me, um, it, you know, same way when I hunt now, you know, it's more about the fellowship. It's more about the friends, right. Um, that I hunt with. It's more about the coffee that we drink in the morning and the discussions we have and the, watching the sun come up. And, um, you know, I, I can't think of a good hunt that I had, um, you know, wild, you know, waterfowl or upland that the best memory from that wasn't the time spent with my family or my friends. And, absolutely, you know, I, I, I don't recall a single bird that i shot that it wasn't something that we shared together i guess is and Mm -hmm. i think that's the you know and that's one of the cool things about hunting kansas a lot is by the time we do get ducks and geese down here they've seen every decoy spread they've heard every (laughs) duck and deuce deuce call that you can think of and and so you know you really have to put in some time and some work and then you still don't get that you may not get that chance and so um but you're there with those guys and your family and and um and I think that's what we look forward to uh, yeah. it, more than anything is, is just that camaraderie and that, that being there together and God's creation and getting to watch that sun come up. And, you know, cause there are people in the, in the that live in our world that they don't get the opportunity to see that. So, you know, I consider myself blessed, um, I don't shoot a lot of limits, but we do have a lot of great conversation. Like, you know, something we always talk about, the coffee is always good. And the conversation. <laughs>
0: so, I just think about, you know, Paul, Paul saying that he's learned the secret of being content in all situations, whether well-fed or hungry or whatever the case he's learned how just to be content. And I think that's kind of what we're getting at here is being content and not always, man, I get, I get wrapped up in it, you know, especially this time of year with ATA and all the new stuff, like I yeah, mentioned, it yeah. just, it can't, like you said, you can become saturated in it. And so, uh, I think it's really cool. You went back to the recurve. I want to talk about that a little bit, and then I want to get into okay. your, your upland stories and things, but, uh, with okay. recurve, how long do you, you know, do you feel like you're pretty accurate? Did it take a long time to become accurate? Uh, tell us a little bit about what that process is like. My buddy Trav, who's also in my group, uh, he's switched over to mainly just being a trad guy. And I know the struggle that he's had, uh, <laughs> you know, getting into it.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways out there that guys talk about how they do it. Um, I know there's, there's like the push archery. They have some methodology with what they follow and do some things. And, um, for me, it's just, I don't necessarily have a process. I mean, maybe I should, I'd probably be a better shot if I did, but, um, it's just about being out there and just starting to to fling arrows and, and to slow yourself down. It's, you know, is, is you know when you're shooting a compound, it's really easy just to you know, you have a good quality sight and you got a good release and all that other stuff. It you know, you can shoot out to 50, 60, 70 yards now with a quality compound bow and, and not even have to, you know, it, it's not, I mean, not that it's not hard, but you can get to that point really easy once you get sighted in. And mm-hmm. um, with a recurve or a longbow, and I and I like to shoot both, um, it's it's just a matter of you're you just start shooting and you know you're gonna miss and and, you know and it's it's kind of like i also like to teach uh the national archery in the schools program with kids and it's it's a lot like starting as a beginning shooter again you're gonna start shooting arrows and and you try to build a group and then you try to move that group and and your mind kind of adjusts that for you to where you know so once you do it enough at a certain yardage, and you know and i you know i started off close i'd start off shooting at 10 yards and um and sometimes even scoot up to five just to mess around and try to hit certain spots but um i'd I'd try to make really tight groups at 10 yards and you know when the arrows start slapping each other pretty hard then back up five and and that change it's amazing how five yards with a traditional bow can change everything a little bit and so and i just and i think that's the great thing about that focal group on, on that we have on Facebook is, um, it challenge those challenges kind of make you, um, do different shots and try different things, you know, and and we, we practice, you know, we have different challenges where you try to shoot from your maximum range, or, you know, they'll take the something, the size of a ping pong ball and put it on the target. And you have to try to shoot three arrows at 19 yards, or sometimes they'll change the yardage and go from 10, 20 to 30. And, and so you have to be able to, you know, make those adjustments well though with a trad bow it's all mental you know those adjustments are made mentally not by looking at a different site that you already have preset on your bow and so um it just requires a lot of shooting and um and you know it's not for everybody there i I know some guys that they they love to shoot a bow but they don't want to they don't want to have to go out and shoot several times a week to to stay honed in. you know and and so
0: That's the boat I'm in. I I think with with having kids at home, I know how much it takes. Like, my buddy Trav... I mean, he's shooting just about like every night or every other night in his backyard. And if he goes a week without shooting, he talks about how much that affects, you know, his, his accuracy. And so for me, I'm like, I just know, I'm like, I'm not, I try and shoot, you know, during season, whenever it's really going on, I've learned, I really need to practice more, even with a compound. So, you know, but I'm still not shooting, but maybe once a week, you know, maybe twice at the most. And so you Know, I think that's that's part of it is having that time because if you're going to shoot trad, you really got to make sure that you're taking the time that it you're, requires if you're going to go after you know a uh, game with it,
1: yeah. And I think that's a lot. Um, you know, for me, my mindset right now is a little different, just like I said, I haven't really deer hunted with a bow, and um, you know, I haven't deer hunted in, in years just because you know I'm really into dogs and I like watching the dogs run, so I you know I do hunting you know, the types of hunting that I can do that with, and so um. But, you know, and I do know guys that they trad hunt with a bow um, for deer and, and, you know, and, and as hunters, we, we need to be serious about it and, and be ethical about it and, you know, and, and understand our, our uh, abilities and, 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 with a trad bow, it, that requires a lot of practice to know what your ability is and, and to be able to have enough self-discipline that when this monster buck walks out at 30 yards to be able to go you know that's outside of what my range really is with this bow and um i'm just going to enjoy this moment as opposed to try to take a chance and 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 wound something instead of you know being ethical about it and you know i don't know it's a it it, i think it it just requires i think that's the thing i like about the most is it it requires more discipline with it um because you do have to be dedicated to it a little bit and, you know, and especially if you are going to harvest game with it, you, you, you know, you need to be confident in your ability to do it and, and have enough discipline not to take shots that you know that you can't pull. Mm, And so good point. Good point. um, But I I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think we all, you know, most, most hunters have a pretty good idea of that. I mean, they, they try to hunt within their means most of the time anyway, or at least I like to think to do. And, and I mean, the guys that I hunt with, you know, we try to make sure we're within what we know we can do and, and, you know, and you have to practice that to know what it is. And, and so, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a really awesome experience and, you know, and, and like, like we're talking about that focal page, it's just a really cool way to tie a lot of things together. Um, so that when you are in the field, um, your mind is not just on shooting this big deer, but you're also starting, you know, I think it makes you more attuned to the things around you, you know, you, you know, that's what I love about that group is it, it keeps my mind focused and centered on Christ. Um, and the more I'm involved with that group and the more shooting I do with within the group and posting videos and, you know, and that's the thing, there's a lot of people that post videos on there. And there's some that don't, there's some that just watch and, and that's okay too, because, you know, you're still getting the word and, 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 you know, cause when you post a video on social media, you're putting yourself out there, you're being, you're <laughs> making yourself vulnerable. And there's always those guys that, that, Oh, well you're doing this wrong. You're doing. We try to uh, keep it pretty positive on that page or that group. And um, so we do, you know, unfortunately, you know, as administrators, sometimes we have to, you know, bring the hammer down on a few things and and we don't like to have to get rid of people out of the group, but we, we do just because, you know, it's not conducive to what we're there for. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't fill our purpose of, as a group of, you know, trying to be kind and, and promote the sport and promote each other and promote Christ. And, and, and so, you know, and that's just part of it. But
0: yeah, uh, well, I, I like that. I, I, I'm going to, I'm actually going to, uh, try and get in that group uh, today. Cause that, that sounds really cool. And I'm, I'll drop a link in the comments below guys. If you're interested in that group, uh, that's on Facebook, I will drop that. So you can check it out yourself. Um, uh, Bobby, I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit here and kind of, you yeah. talked about hunting upland and hunting, you know, having that passion for hunting with dogs. Talk a little bit about how you got into that and just, you know, some stories that kind of go along with upland hunting, waterfowl hunting, and those things that you enjoy. Okay
1: um well i kind of started off as a um i lived um south in south central kansas like i said down on the state line and um we were far enough from town we didn't always get to go to town and ride bikes with our friends and stuff like that and my dad actually um he let us start hunting at a young age and um, we always had to go by ourselves just for to learn the safety aspects of it and stuff and but we'd be out, you know, getting ready to feed cows, and he'd bring a shotgun along. He'd turn us loose and let us walk a waterway or something up to where he's feeding cows, and and he'd wait for us there. And then we'd pick up and we'd go to another spot, and he'd let us walk around there and try to see if we could shoot a pheasant or quail or something. And so I kind of got hooked on it that way. And then um, I, I've always loved animals. I've always loved dogs. And as I got older, um, just started being around different people. Um, and the guy that I hunt quite a bit with now he's you know he kind of introduced me to waterfowl and he has the same love for dogs as I do and um so I just kind of is a guy named Mike Clover, just really cool and and then you know my brother-in-law and have some family that do it too and and so it just turned into a deal uh, you know I actually I did a lot more waterfowl hunting when my kids were young because with waterfowl hunting you can kind of control the the shooting situation a little better um And so I was able to get my, my, my kids in the, in the field, um, you know, safely shooting a shotgun at a younger age, because, you know, when you're upland hunting, you're having to carry a gun, it gets kind of heavy, uh, especially when you're little and you're walking through tall grass and all this other stuff. There's a lot of, a lot of variables to deal with and a lot of things that could potentially go wrong until you get that strength and ability to carry the gun safely. Well, with waterfowl, you know, you're not having to hold the gun the whole time. And so, um, So we were able, I was actually able to get my kids started shooting ducks when they were young, like in fourth, fifth grade. And so, but the the best part about it was, is that um, we just sat there and just had a great time. You know, we drank lots of coffee and hot chocolate. We, we, We talked a lot. I mean, they got to where they loved it so much. It became an incentive to get them to make good grades at school. And I uh, had a good friend that was the state chairman for DU in New York, and he would actually come down and hunt deer on my brothers. And uh, the boys loved him so much um, that they wanted to spend time with him. And so when he was down here every year hunting, um, when he'd harvest his deer, he, you know, we'd just go hunting as waterfowl hunting as friends because we had that common passion. And um, so the, I always told the boys, if you have straight A's, my daughter, if you have straight A's, you know, when he comes down, you're, you know, you can play a day of hooky and and I w- Dad will too <laughs> from school, and we'll go, we'll go shoot some ducks with him, and you know, and they still talk about those memories. Oh, you know, yeah. We still laugh about it, and you know, and so, um, so it just that's how I started waterfowl hunting. Was just met a, you know met that buddy of mine, Mike Clover, and he was really big into it, and it drew us him and I close together. Um, and My brother-in-law and my brother, we all go together as a family and friends, and, and there's a lot of other people. And then and I met some people through the industry that way too, and like Mike Stelzner, and, and uh, but it's just it's a really really cool thing. And then as I got my kids got older, I wanted to kind of reintroduce reindu- you know, them to what I grew up doing or hunting, and that was you know upland with pheasant and quail. And so they got old enough that they could walk and stuff like that, and, and you know, and I had I had a lab. I love labs. Labrador retrievers are just fantastic dogs. And, and so, you know, but when you're up and hunting, you know, a lab does a great job, but it's a lot of fun to watch, you know, the pointing breeds run too. And so, um, and I, you know, that guy I hunt with, he also has a couple pointing dogs. And, and so he, in this last couple of years, it's kind of, now I have an English setter that I've been working with and, 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 and uh, trying to get her ready to go so that we could do that together as a family and have some, you know, just more opportunity to get out in the field. And, and you know, and I, I, to me, is, I, I mean, I'm kind of dumb in the head when it comes to dogs. I mean, I, I never – I'm one of them guys that I don't think I'm ever a professional in anything. I think I just try to be a constant learner every day, and you know, and, and learn, from, learn from my students at school, learn from my own children, learn from my wife, my friends, and, you know, and, and it, I think it helps you stay a little humble and Man. and and but yeah i mean just getting to walk around with the dogs is, is something i really enjoy now and and you know and i always have but i mean now it's just it's really fulfilling i, I don't even care if i really get to shoot anything it's just i will really like to watch the dog run it's just a, it's, it's really cool to watch a dog do what it was born to do yeah and and to be able to do that with your family and friends well i mean how much better could it get you know
0: yeah and so, i i um You know, I I haven't done much upland hunting. Well, actually no upland hunting at at, at this point. So, and I think some of maybe my listeners might be the same way. I think I I have a lot of deer hunters, turkey hunters, maybe some elk hunters now. So walk us through a little bit. Just um, what's the typical, what's, let me ask this. What does the ideal day look like? You know, if you could describe that ideal day of going upland hunting, you know, uh, can you kind of summarize that? What's going, I mean, in my mind, you're walking through a field, you turn the dog loose, the dog goes and jumps up a bird and you shoot it. That's all I know. That's all I (laughs) have in my head so i'm sure there's more to it than that so kind of bobby walk us through a little bit of that
1: um well there's there's different versions of it um you know in the western part of the state they'll do a lot of what they call party hunts um there'll be 15 20 guys and they'll push through a corner milo field or you know some grass crp grass and you know because beplum birds they they will run on you especially if it's warmer out or you know there's it you know certain conditions don't make them hold in place for you to get there and so those big party hunts, they'll push them all the way in. They'll have guys down at the end blocking. And then when the birds pop up, they'll start, you know, doing some shooting. And I've done that before. Um and it's just not for me. I mean, it is it's it's a social event, to say the least. Um, but and it's fun. But for me, I like to watch the dogs work and the and the guys that I hunt with are the same way, my brother-in-law and my you know, Mike and like like I've said, and and so for us where we hunt we hunt a lot of waterways and draws and things like that here in South Central Kansas. You know, we try to go hunt places that are going to hold birds. Um, We have some fields that are kind of, they have some sandy soil with lots of plum thickets and some grass and, you know, we'll go there when we're wanting to chase after some quail and and things like that. But so, you know, uh, probably the best way to describe it. um, The last hunt we were on that I can recall, um, birds are kind of low this year actually. So, you're going to do a lot of walking and, and not get the chance to to shoot. But um, on a good year, you know, we'll set up in the morning, you know, try to be out there when the sun's coming up and or, or shortly after. And, and we get the dogs all geared up. Um, most of us, um, you know, we I run an e-collar. Um, there's guys that don't do that that don't have to. But you know, I run an electric collar on my dog just to, for safety. Uh, I want to be able to, you know, keep her from getting injured or, or putting herself in harm's way because when she gets to running, she likes to run, you know, she's after it. She, you know, and, and sometimes you need to be able to reach out there further than you can with your hands. To And, and, you know, ideally, you know, you don't have to use it very much, but, um, yes. and so we, we also run, um, also use GPS. It's not a must, but it's kind of cool to track where your dog's been running at the end of the day. And you, you know, I like to go and look at it and see, you know, the patterns that she's made and, and, uh, you know, and how she's chased birds and, and, and things like that, and just see how many miles she's gone. And, and so it's kind of cool. Um, that none of those are must haves. It's just kind of what we use. And then we'll turn the dogs loose and let them run. And then, you know, basically let the dogs be dogs and follow them around, you know, try not to make them go where we want to go, but, try to let them go find the birds and and so you know we'll set up a game plan on how we're going to push the field before we go and then we'll walk through there and and you know the guys I go with we we each of us has dogs um my brother-in-law and and, and Mike and you know my buddy they both have a couple dogs each and so we may have four or five dogs on the ground at a time and um it's, and it's just, it's a hoot to watch. You watch that yeah. many dogs run across just doing what they love. And and so, you know, and then w- when we come up on a, you know, a plum thicket, of course, there's some anticipation, you know. You get to where you kind of know what kind of cover birds are going to possibly be in. And um, the dogs, you know, they'll kind of start acting a little birdie when they get on some scent and, and kind of change how they run or change the routine a little bit. And they their tails might start wagging a little more or, you know, my setter, that's why I like the English setter breed, just because they, they have a kind of a, a flaggy looking tail. They got some, uh, feathery hair on their tails and, and my dog, she, when she runs, she's got a lot of style and, and she cracks her tail pretty hard when she's running. And it's, and then when she gets really birdie, she kind of, she drops her body a little lower to the ground. And, and, you know, when you see a dog do that, <laughs> this, it just makes your heart kind of stop for a little bit because you're like, Oh, we're getting ready to have some fun yeah. and and then, you know, when they lock up on point, um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard to describe that because there's not anything in the world that's like that. And, you know, and I'm just getting into the pointing dogs. I don't re- I'm learning from my brother-in-law and my buddy a lot, um, about those dogs. You know, I have several buddies that have pointing dogs. And, and so I try to call them and, and, you know, so that establishes that camaraderie and, you know, we get to talk about a common thing a lot and we, we really enjoy that a lot, but so I'm still learning. But, man, when you watch a dog go on point at a dead run, there's just i mean they put the brakes on and they set up it's just you know for those of you that are listening if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, um you know, I'd encourage you to go to YouTube and check it out, you know, English pointers or German shorehairs, i mean there's everybody's got their own poison when it comes to dogs and but it is the coolest thing in the world to watch a dog you know any working dog watch them do what they're ready to do, and for me to watch one lock up on point is just you know, and I, and I think like with my setter being young right now, she's, she's not really had a wild bird point yet. You know, she's Mm -hmm. pointed some pigeons and stuff like that when we're training and it's really cool looking and it's awesome. But so I've had this anticipation all year. We're trying to find that, that, you know, get the light switch to click on when she finds those wild birds and and she points them and holds them and, you know, and, and then we get to go up and kick the kick the grass in and, and get them to flush and, and then complete seal the deal, you know. And,
0: oh, man, that's but, getting super close. Then. Okay, so they lock in. Uh, my only experience with a dog is coon dogs and rabbit dogs. So yeah. I'm, pictu- I'm picturing this dog kind of getting to a spot, pointing, and then you guys actually have to go up and kind of flush them the rest of the way out.
1: Yeah, I mean, ideally it, that's the way it works is you go up and the dog stays on point and you go up and you kind of kick around where they're, you know, where they're on point at. Um, and, fr- and try to flush it right there in front of their face, and you know, and then you down a bird, and, and they go get it, and, you know, or they go find it. And some some pointing dogs don't retrieve, some do. It just kind of, you know, some take to that, some don't. And but and there's all kinds of stuff you could get into with that as well. But um but yeah, I mean that's the ideal situation. Doesn't always work that way because you know when you're dealing <laughs> with wild birds, you know, they have that knack to want to stay alive, and so it it can especially pheasants pheasants will pick up and run on you and so um the dogs it's 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 kind of hard on the dog sometimes because they'll pick up scent and they'll go on point and that pheasant will start running on them it may take you you know several hundred yards running them to the end of a of a of a waterway before they'll hold long enough for the dog to get on point and you get up there so um you know there's just there's a lot of things that go into it. i i think the thing for me that I love about upland hunting with dogs or, you know, in the same way as waterfowl hunting is that um, you get to see some action. You see something going on. You see some changes take place, and you get that anticipation, and you know, and, and it just it, it feels good, and, and you can't wait for you know use of, of what's to follow that, you know, mm-hmm. and you know that's I, I like to fish, but fishing's kind of boring sometimes for me because <laughs> I'm the same way, you know, you sit there and you're looking and you're looking and you're just like, oh, I got a bite, that's great, and you know, not that it's not fun because it is, but you know, I don't know when you watch a dog. Start to get really birdy. It just it, and and even when you hear the birds flush, it just makes your heart race. You know, mm. um, they call it the that rush of the awesome. flush. It, it is. It's cool. And it, you know, waterfowl is the same way for me too. Because you watch a, do- a good dog that's done it long enough, and you can watch the dog's eyes. They're going to see the birds before you ever do. You know, their ears will perk up. They're all, they're attentive to what's going on. At, you know, uh, my a good friend of mine, Mike Clover. He's got a, a, a Chesapeake Bay Retriever that's just he's phenomenal. And that dog, when you're, I mean, he's a, he's, he's a light switch dog. When you get out out, you know, just hanging out, he'll love on you and want to be petted and run around playful. When You get in that blind, he's focused. He's always on eyes are on the sky. I mean, just doing his job. And, and so, you know, I don't know. That, that's my draw to, to that sport is just, I, I love to watch the dogs go.
0: If you had to pick so, between the two, if you had to pick between upland and, and waterfowl, which, which one's going to be your favorite?
1: Oh, man, that's a tough one. Because um, <laughs> we kind of, well, probably, I would, I mean, as much as I love to watch ducks cup up over the water, um, you know, and running a call and getting them to turn, um, this is, it's pretty cool to get animals to respond to something you're doing or trying to mimic them. But I would have to probably go with upland just because, That's the roots where I come from. That's the first thing I ever really learned to hunt. And, you know, it's like every time I do it, it's almost like coming home, you know, yeah. because it's just that's what I that's what I've always known. And and I don't know that that'd probably be it for me, I guess.
0: Yeah. What is your so, most, thinking about upland hunting, is there like one particular hunt or maybe a couple hunts that just kind of stand out in your mind as kind of being like the most fun or maybe, maybe the most you ever got or anything like that? What's, yeah. what's that memory for you?
1: Um, well, there was one time we were actually hunting um, down on the state line, just south of my folks' house. It's, it's what we call the home place. Um, it, I've hunted that spot since I was a little kid. And so it's always nice to go back there every year. And, and it usually produces really well. Um, so we were hunting that spot and my buddy, Mike actually has a GoPro and I'm not a big fan of his GoPro because it usually captures every miss I have on film. (laughs) Um, but, uh, we're, we're just walking. We're having a good time. The dogs are running hard. Um, he actually that day and we had, I think one of my sons with, with me and the other ones were at sports, but, um, we, and uh, his boy was with us as well, if I remember right. We shot a lot of pheasants, um, that day we had, I mean, just, I don't think we've had a day that we've had that many flushed pheasants or, you know, pointed pheasants and and flushed, um, in a long time. And I think we ended up with like six or seven roosters and we ended up with a handful of quail. Um, that one was a lot of fun and, but it was cool because he had a pup that was, he has a little French Brittany pup and he's got a, an American Brittany and, and, and they're a lot of fun to watch. Well, that, that French Brittany pup, he hadn't, he was still learning that year. And um, he had, he doubled up. He's got this old side-by-side um, 16-gauge shotgun. And I think that day, I think that's the way he was carrying that day. It was, it's like an old savage fox bee. Mm. But he doubled up on pheasants. He shot two pheasants. Um, and so both of his dogs were over there on that side. And each one of his dogs, including his new pup, went and retrieved, one, retrieved oh. them man that's awesome and and so he caught it on film and then um of course right before that he actually caught me missing a pheasant in my face on film so um (laughs) so it was kind of a bittersweet day i guess but um i we just had a lot of fun i I think that's the thing is even if we miss we rib each other pretty hard we just have a we have a good time you know and and i you know those guys I, i think that's one of those things is that you you know Pick the people in life that you always enjoy being around and, and those guys are it for me. I mean, and besides my family, of course, but uh mm. man, when we we're when we we're together, we I have never had a bad day around those guys. You know what I mean? And my fan, you know, any time you're hunting, I I've never had a bad day hunting, I guess.
0: Yeah. And and well, so I know you got some, I know you're in between classes right now and you probably got some kids getting ready to come into your, uh, your, your classroom there. So I want to be respectful of your yeah. time, but kind of, you've alluded to this a little bit, but if somebody just asked you, you know, Bobby, why do you hunt? What's the main motivation? Uh, how would you answer that? What's, what's the reason you're out there?
1: Um, I, I mean, obviously we, we like to go and, and, uh, we like that pursuit of something that's wild, you know? Um, but for me, you know, I think it's the older I get and the smarter I get. the the main reason I go is the, to be in God's creation, to, to find that peace that you can't get in the day-to-day job and, and the tasks that we do every day as, as, you know, as employees or bosses or whatever. And, and just that, that chance to get away with people that you love and care about and, and, and be able to experience that with them. Um, I don't, I mean, when you see the sun come up, you feel that crisp air going into your lungs in the morning. Um, the smell of the dirt and just knowing that all that was put there for us to, to appreciate. And it was put there by somebody that loves us. And, you know, that's, that's God. I mean, you know, and then to me that, I mean, I, I try to make sure I go to church. I don't always make it to church, but I mean, I'm one of them guys that, you know, I don't go to church to feel God. i I try to be, I try to experience him every day that I can. And, and cause he is, he's around us everywhere. And, you know, and everything that we walk the surface of this earth, it's there for us to appreciate if we'll just take the time to in our busy lives to go, hey, that was, you know, that was really cool. And so that's that's why I hunt to to be out there, to to get to witness that firsthand. and, And it brings me peace. And and then to but to be able to experience that with my my family and my friends is, you know, that's what we that's what we live for, you know for me you know that's i love what i do i love my job i love you know and i enjoy it but i really really love getting to go out there and and spend time with my family and 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 do that kind of stuff as well
0: so mm. Man, I that's awesome. I I could not agree more with you on that. That is absolutely it. Um, I uh, definitely want to have you back on. Sometimes, first off, I think guys are just going to like how smooth your voice is. Um, so you know, they're going to want to hear more of of Bobby's voice on the show. <laughs> but, uh, well, but to hear some I more of these the stories, to be on here. yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I want to once again remind people of uh, the Fellowship of Christian Archery Lovers. So, yes, Focal sir. is the the acronym and then uh also you mentioned a game call group that you're pro staff on that was uh, cns game calls yes sir yep okay CNS and so they pri- calls. okay and they're primarily doing duck calls things like that
1: uh they do duck goose um turkey he's done some coyote calls before as well um but and and it's a christian based company um okay cool you know it's really cool i you know it's uh, that's kind of what drew me to him as well and and, and built a awesome relationship from that and so yeah but yeah i mean i this has been a cool thing i really enjoyed getting to talk to you travis yeah
0: me too man well i really appreciate your time and i'll definitely be uh keeping up with all those things and uh thanks for coming on buddy
1: sweet thank you appreciate your time
0: Really hope that you guys enjoyed that episode and uh, hearing Bobby's stories and his voice as well. I'm not going to make this weird, you know, talk, talk more about the man's smooth as butter, you know, deep baritone voice. I'm not going to do that, uh, make things awkward. But I will talk about how cool it was to learn more about upland hunting. And maybe you guys think I'm a complete idiot. You've done it your whole lives. It's just foreign to me. Um, very limited on some of my hunting experiences, and I love to hear those kind of ex- those stories. And I, I mean, whenever he's talking about that pointer dog and going and kicking up, uh, you know, Know, the pheasant man that that would be exciting I can picture it in my mind and, and loved uh, loved hearing those stories uh, right now I did mention I'll talk a little bit about the ATA is going on and it's not something I've gone to I, I go to the uh, uh, the Ohio deer and Turkey Expo that's about as far as what I've gone and uh, that's coming up in March which I'm, I'm looking forward to it but uh, ATA uh, is when all these companies release their newest and and greatest uh, innovations for 2020 and uh, right now it seems like there's a lot of cool things coming out if you're a saddle Hunter, you're probably excited about the new Phantom uh, Saddle by Tethered. Um, If you like to uh, use hang-on stands, you're probably excited about Lone Wolf's new um, stand that weighs about five pounds. Uh, One that I'm personally just pumped about is uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear has a new camera arm and this thing is super lightweight. And I'm just excited to see what the price is going to be on it because I got to figure out if I can swing it or not. All the while, sitting in my shopping cart are is a brand new uh, lightweight rope and carabiner and a cinder for my saddle rope. So I'm looking at all that, and I I just got to tell you, (laughs) sometimes it's overwhelming. I don't know if you if you feel this way, but if you're on Instagram like I am or Facebook and you follow all these hunting groups, like it's all this new stuff. Spy Point has a new camera and Exodus, and everybody's got these new things and new gadgets new ways to hunt and new things. And, and Bobby and I talked about this. Um, the question I have for you and I, the question I have for me is, are you content? Can you just truly say that you are happy with what you have? I've got to be honest and say sometimes I'm not. I, I am just looking forward to the next great big thing and I want to order this thing and I think it's going to make my hunting better and maybe it will, maybe it will help. And I'm not saying that I won't order some of these things if, if I have the money to do it or whatever. But I think there's something about learning how to be content. And it's not just with new hunting gear. Maybe it's the, the next new car or the next new, um, thing that's coming out on the market, the next new technology. Um, you know, I've got an iPhone, what is it? Six, maybe six or seven. I'm not sure which it is. And so I'm, I'm a few iPhones behind. I would kind of like that new, uh, iPhone XR, or XS or whatever it is. And I've only got 32 gigabytes of storage. And so I'm having to delete stuff all the time. You know, I'm um, Yeah, I I can completely understand if you would say, you know what, sometimes I'm not content. And it makes me go back to that verse that I talked to Bobby about coming from Philippians 4. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need. Uh, Paul is speaking here. He says, but I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you may have heard that verse before and and we use it for like, you know, sports (laughs) or for uh, I can do anything that I set my mind to. But what Paul's talking about there is, How in the world is it possible to be content in a world full of uh, American consumerism? Or consumerism anywhere, really. Uh, We want, we want, we want, we think that we're going to be happy if we get that next thing. And, And what Paul says here is he's learned how to just be content. If he's got a lot, great. If he's able to afford the new bow, awesome. If he's not, he's still content in either situation. And he says the way that he can do that, the only way that he can do that is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. I think that verse isn't talking about, yeah, your sports team can do whatever they want because you believe in them or whatever. I think it's talking more so about just the ability to be content in this world, <laughs> which is an extremely hard thing to do. Um, so I just want to encourage you right now as ATA and trade shows and new gear and all that stuff may be coming across your mind, just take a step back and just be grateful for what you have. Bobby, Bobby said it time in the woods with the Lord, um, time with your friends and family, that's the stuff that you're going to remember. I never once look back on any of my hunts and be like, man, I'm glad I was wearing my first light gear. Oh, that really helped me kill. Yeah, it might help in some ways, and it might be good, and it's part of your mental game, whatever. But I, I I don't think about those things. I think about the fact that I sat next to my brother And I'm going to tell that story for years to come. Um, Going down there with my nephew and and him seeing that deer, I mean, those are the things that you cherish. And so keep that in mind. Try not to get too wrapped up in all the crazy stuff and the new gadgets and all that. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening want to point you once again back to the YouTube. Those videos are coming out. And I'm super excited about that. If you want to leave me a five-star review, if you enjoyed it, if it's worth five stars to you or a review of some sort, I would love those kind of things. And I just really appreciate you coming and listening to this podcast. Hope that you come back next week for another great episode. Hope it's great. And remember to shed the light.